Yeah, one of the things that happens when time ticks on is that your family grows. Since we were last here, we have uh, two more grandchildren, and that's really exciting. Uh, but one other thing happened as well, and I think that is that uh, the English women's soccer team became world champions. Could that be? Uh, or European champions. Yeah. This morning I want to speak to you about, not just about soccer, but about uh, something which is more important than that. But I want to start off asking you the question, in a soccer game, what things do we need to win the game? What things do we need to win the game? We need the bo- uh, Somebody said the ball. <laughs> okay. okay. Somebody said we need the goals. That's right. We need a vision. We need a vision. We need to know where are we going to. What else do we need? We need the team. Yeah, we need the team. Uh, someone said the trainer, the captain. That's right. We need leadership. The referee, oh, we do need the referee, oh, he's an important man, uh, sometimes loved, sometimes hated. Yeah, teamwork, teamwork. We need everyone that's on the field to play the game. In our church, what I realized over the last little while is that we got some people in our church that have given themselves a red card. They're not on the playing field. We've got some other people that are a little bit in danger. They've got a yellow card. And if things continue like they are, at some point, they're going to get another card and they're going to put themselves right off the field. Now, we know that when it comes to a soccer game or any sports game, that we need every single player to be on the field if we want to win the game. As soon as someone's got a red card, we're at a disadvantage. And the church is at a disadvantage because we've got people in the ranks that put themselves on the, on, the, on the sidelines. And what God's actually wanting is He's wanting every single one of us to be part of the team, but not just to be part of the team, but to also actively play the game. Now, you are, if, you, if you like it or not, what I'm going to show you this morning is that you are already part of the team. There are many pictures in the Scriptures which speak of the church and what we can, and how we can apply those pictures is, is, is by saying that they are pictures of us being part of the team, the church as the building. Everyone's a living stone in the building. Or we can take the picture of the body. Everyone's part of the body. And what I want to do this morning, I want to take the picture of the, the priesthood of all believers and use that picture and say to you this morning that you're actually already part of the team, whether you like it or not. And the question I want to ask you this morning, and I want you to answer is, am I really being a priest like I should be? Now, I want to go right back to the beginning because some of you perhaps are not sure whether you really are a priest or not. And the second question, of course, we're going to answer is, if I am a priest, then what does that mean for me? How does that affect my life? And so we go right back to the beginning, and we ask ourselves the question, how did this all begin? We need to look into the Scriptures, and we're going to look into Exodus chapter 19. Now, some of you will think of 
immediately think of the priesthood as something you've perhaps come out of. Uh, when I was, I was brought up in South Africa, as some of you know, uh, we've lived uh, more than 20 years in Germany. Uh, it's a long story, but a wonderful story how God actually took us there and we lead a church, a fully German church. It's wonderful coming here and preaching in English. <laughs> it's like I feel the release of that, uh, but it doesn't really make any difference to me whether it's English or German. God has, has, has done a wonderful thing in doing all of that. This morning, what is your picture of what a priest is? When I was living back in South Africa, we went to, the, to a church, and the priest did everything. The priest preached the messages. The priest did the counseling. The priest maintained the building. And um, if we didn't like what he did, then we would simply uh, terminate his employment and get somebody else. Yeah, that's what my picture was, was of what a priest does. Until I became a believer, and even after I was a believer a number of years, I didn't realize that I was actually part of the priesthood. So in Exodus chapter 19, verse 5 and 6, we read following things. You shall, to be, shall to be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words you are to say to the children of Israel. And what we need to realize here is that the children of Israel have just come out of Egypt, and um, they're, they're in the wilderness, and uh, God begins to reveal His purpose for them. He, be, he begins to reveal to them what He actually wants them to be. And so we go right back to the beginning. He's just called them out. He's just made this nation to be His holy nation. He's actually called, he just called them out, and then He says to them, I want you to be a nation of priests before me. And so what he actually had in mind was he had a mind of a whole lot of people that would actually be offering sacrifices, a whole lot of people that we would be part of, uh, of communicating with him on a regular basis and working in his holy nation. That's what he had in mind. And what they say to him then at that point is they say, we don't actually want to be a priesthood. And actually reject the priesthood. Exodus chapter 28 says there, let Aaron, sorry, in verse, uh, sorry, 20, verse 18 and 19, it says, when the people saw the thunder and lightning and heard the trumpet, saw the mountain in smoke, they trembled with fear. They stayed at a distance and said to Moses, speak to us yourself and we will listen. But do not let God speak to us or we will die. And so they actually said, well, we don't want this. This is a scary thing to have this relationship with this, with this God, this fearful God. Uh, let someone else speak to him. And so then God says, okay, uh, I'm going to choose a priesthood. I'm going to make certain people priests, not everybody, like my plan was in the beginning. And Exodus 28 says, Let Aaron, your brother, be brought to you among, from among the Israelites with his sons Nadab and Abihu, Eleazar and Itamar, so that they may serve me as priests. And so that is how God spoke to the people over many, many centuries. And then, of course, we know that Jesus Christ comes. And he changes everything. And what he does for us is that he actually opens up the door that we actually regain that which was lost back then by those that said we do not want to be priests. 
So we continue to read in Revelation chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1, it says there, To him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and has made us to be a kingdom and priests to serve his God and Father, to him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. Now the question that we need to ask ourselves, if you're sitting there and saying, I never knew I was a priest, the question you need to ask yourself is, am I one of these people? Am I one of these people where, it's, where it says, to him who loves us and has freed us by, from our sins by his blood? How many of us this morning have been freed by his blood? Okay, that is like just about everyone sitting in the room this morning. We've been freed by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom of priests to serve his God and Father. So that means that if you're freed by his blood, if you've asked him into your life, if you said to him, I'm committing my life to you, Lord Jesus, to serve you, and you've received that sacrifice for your life, then you are a priest. I want to tell you that it's a, it's a wonderful thing. could be a little bit of a scary thing as well. But if you are a priest, what you surely need to know is what he requires of you. In 1 Peter 2 verse 5, continuing on, what he says is this. He says, you also, like living stones, are being built into a spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, offering spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. The purpose of the priesthood is to offer spiritual sacrifices. Back then, the priests were offering sacrifices of animals. But we are to bring spiritual sacrifices. It's changed, but it's still his desire. Bring your spiritual sacrifices. And these spiritual sacrifices are acceptable, and they are pleasing to God. Every time we read that acceptable and pleasing to God, what it actually it actually means is it's a, it's a sweet swelling, a, a swelling, smelling aroma. Depending on the, version, the Bible version that you read, it will say there it's a, a sweet smelling aroma. I think the King James says a sweet smelling Savior or Savor. Now, I don't say that this is what I read in my Bible, but this is my picture of how it works. Because the sacrifice is something which, which is a sweet-smelling aroma, something incredible. Now, God looks down from heaven. This is my picture. He looks down from heaven, and uh, he sees Clive getting up in the morning, going to his office, opening up his heart, putting on his music, and worshiping the Lord. And in that moment, as he says, he says, hey, angels, angels, won't you come and have a look at this? Won't you come and look and see what this man is doing? And they gather together, and God looks down and he says, sweet swelling aroma. Now, smell is a very powerful thing. I love it when my wife wears a perfume. I buy her perfumes, and she likes that as well. <laughs> uh, it's, a powerful, it's a powerful thing. And, and when I smell that, there's, a, there's something that's like, oh, I like that. I like that perfume. 
Maybe some of you at home, sitting outside, and you maybe uh, one of the Sundays where you do have a summer day in England, yeah? <laughs> you go outside onto your terrace, and you say, well, let's, why don't we have a barbecue today? And we put up, put up the barbecue, uh, and, and, and there's a, 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 a smoke that comes out from that barbecue, and the smoke from the barbecue yeah, fills the whole place, fills your, maybe fills your house, fills your whole garden. And long before you actually get to the meal, the smell is so good. We love the smell because it releases something in us. We, it already, uh, us, the, the juices are already getting released in our mouth before we even eat that steak, right? And that's the, that's the feeling, that's the anticipation, that is what I believe God has on His heart when he, when he sees us bringing those spiritual sacrifices before Him. It's something that releases joy in Him, it's something that releases emotion in Him. Something that that does something in his heart. And so what I want to do, I want to be a priest that's bringing these spiritual sacrifices because I want God to say, hey, hey, look at my son, look at my daughter, look at what they're doing. Come angels, come and have a look, come and see what's going on here. That's what I want God to say over who I am. So let's have a look at that. Priests bring the offerings. before Before we get to that, do you know that the scripture actually says that in Jesus giving his life, that he brought a sweet-smelling sacrifice. And our job and our task is to copy what he's done, to bring our whole lives. We're going to find that out later. But in Ephesians 5 verse 2, it says this, live a life of love just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. See, he did it, and he knew what he was going to be doing. He, he knew that as I give my life, as I bring my life, and I offer it up before him, although it was one of the worst moments for the Father, at the same time it was still Jesus bringing a fragrant offering to his Father. Still a sweet-smelling sacrifice, that's what the Scripture tells me. And if we begin to understand this, you know what it will do? It's going to change your whole motivation when it comes to doing some things that the Scripture tells us we should do. Some things that for us are normal, some things that maybe for us are a little bit difficult. But if we begin to have this picture, we'll begin to do all these, begin to do all these things in a completely different way. So let's go down the list a little bit. Worship. What does the Bible say? The Bible says that one of the offerings or the sacrifices of the priests is worship. Through Jesus, therefore, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of lips that openly profess His name. Let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise. Now, when I first became a Christian, my idea was this. Seriously, my idea was this, that it's so hard to worship God. I come on a Sunday morning and my life is been so difficult, and, I, and now I've got to, I'm going to bring a sacrifice. This really, really tough thing that I've got to do, I'm going to bring the sacrifice. But actually, I didn't understand it at all. Actually, my heavenly Father had made me to be a priest, and one of the things that I could do for Him is I could bring this, this sacrifice to Him, which would excite Him, which would 
be something that had to be waiting for me. And as I did that, he would have this incredible feeling. You bring something which smells so beautiful to me as your father. When I began to understand it, change everything for me. My father is waiting for me. Our father is waiting for us every day. Not just on Sunday morning, he's waiting for us every single day. He's saying, I'm waiting for you. I'm waiting for you. And how many, how many times have we just missed the moment altogether, and he's waiting, and we just rush over and he's saying, would have been great. Would have been so great to, if you just brought me that, that joy, okay, that sweet-smelling fragrance, that, that offering of worship. You missed the moment. What about doing good? It says in that scripture as well in, he, in the next verse, it says, Do not forget to do good and share with others, for God is pleased with such sacrifices. Do not forget to do good. We got in our church a little bit of a thing that we do every time that uh, someone has a new baby. Uh, the small group that that person is part of, the life group they're part of, that group needs to get around and make sure that there's some meals that get taken around to the home and uh, also make sure that uh, the family is cared for in the first week or so when, when they, once that baby is born. And imagine if you, get a, if you get a call from the life group leader in our church and they say to you, hey, you know what, uh, we've, we, the so-and-so just had a baby, you might know that, can I put you on the list to bring a, a meal around? Now, your first response could be, you know, I've got meetings this week, I've got children, I've got family, I've got this, I've got that, no, I can't do that. That could be your, that could be your first response. Now, what if you had another thought in your mind? What if you had this thought? God is waiting for me to bring the spiritual sacrifice of doing good to someone. And you think to yourself, if I do that, if I, if I bring a meal around to, the, to, to, uh, to this lady who's just had a baby, imagine how God will feel. Something, a beautiful aroma when you do that. Wouldn't it just change your motivation? Would you suddenly think, hey, let me click over into that. Let me make time for this. Let me do this, because this is what my Heavenly Father requires of me. This is what He's waiting for me, a sacrifice of the priesthood. What about fellowship? Hebrews 13, verse 16, that says, also, do not forget to do good and to share with others, which also has the, the whole idea of, of fellowship, koinonia, fellowship, one with the other. When we finish the meeting this morning, there's going to be an opportunity for fellowship, and God says, when we get together, when we're encouraging each other, when we're actually having time together with one another, maybe in the week when you go to your life group and you're actually having fellowship with, those, with the other folk, God is not untouched by that. He actually receives that. He actually sees that as that acceptable, wonderful fragrance that you're actually creating in your life that goes up to Him. You're offering a sacrifice I think fellowship is a wonderful thing, and it's not only a wonderful thing for us, but also he's actually receiving it and saying, hey, wonderful sacrifice. This brings joy to my heart. Hey, what about giving? What about giving? See, giving is not something which is, which is just what we do because the pastor says we should give or the elders say we should give or because we've got some sort of a project. We need to actually 
get the leadership out of the church. We need to get them out of the way, but we need to see, hey, this is not about them. This is about you and your heavenly Father. It's got nothing to do with anyone else. It's about you and your heavenly Father. And in that moment when you actually bring that which, 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 which you can bring, there's joy in his heart. What does it say here? It says in Philippians 4.18, I'm abundantly provided by the gifts that you have sent through Epaphroditus. What are they? They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, pleasing to God. Isn't that amazing? We see it like right throughout the New Testament. All these, all these little sacrifices, or not these, all these sacrifices, and they're all part of that which the priesthood brings. And we suddenly realize, wow, I didn't even see that. I didn't even know that. But what it does for us, it says, in that moment when you say, should I give or should I not give? Don't look at the church. Don't look and say, what is this going to do for the heart of my Father in heaven? He is going to receive it as a fragrant offering. He is going to receive it as something which blesses him abundantly. Changes everything. That's why I give. Not because I have to, but because I want ah, that my father to be excited about what I do with all the things that he's given to me. What about prayer? Acts 10 verse 14 says, The angel answered, Your present gifts to the poor have come up as a memorial offering before God. Now this coming week in our church, we're having a time of prayer and fasting, four days, number of meetings every single day, from Tuesday to Friday. Now, I hope that our church has got it. Because it's not necessarily our biggest strength as a church. But we're actually putting it on, on the, we're putting it right there and saying we need to do this. Every now and then, we, we regularly we do this. Every so often, we do this. And they can say to us, well, oh, the, the elders thought up another, new, another thing that we've got to do, drag ourselves off to prayer meeting. We've got lots of other things to do, but drag ourselves to prayer meeting. Oh, the elders want to pray again. The elders want to fast again. <laughs> or others, we can say to ourselves, wow. Hey, the Heavenly Father is waiting for me to take that hour and a half of time and put it aside to come and pray with, my, with all the other people in the church. And He's waiting for us. And He has an expectation of what you're about to do. And, uh, and as you come, you say, God, I'm coming. Not because of the elders, not because on the program. I'm coming because it's between you and me, right? Acceptable, acceptable fragrance. And as you begin to pray... As you begin to pray, and you, whatever you, you, and you're praying, and you're praying for the church, and you're praying into your own life, and so on. The Father's saying, "Hey, angels, angels, come and watch. Come, come and look here. Come and look here. Have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen? Have you seen Renee praying? Hey, come and re- celebrate! Celebrate! Look at that!" And she brings that out of that heart of joy to him. Yeah, proclaiming the gospel to communicate and proclaim. We proclaim the gospel. Romans 15, verse 16 says, He gave me the priestly duty of proclaiming the gospel of God so that the Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. You might be sitting in your office every day, and there's some people in your office saying, Wow, man, if I just had the courage, yeah, if I just had the courage to speak to them. Or maybe you, you actually say, Well, I don't want to actually speak to them because I don't really need to do that. I don't actually want to do that. 
they, in our church, they speak about the fact that we need to reach our friends with the gospel. I don't really feel like doing that. But I'm t- I'll say to you that this will change your heart. Say, you will bring joy into the heart of the Father if you get the courage just to throw it in there. Hey, I'm a believer. I know, Jesus. I've got another hope. I've got a different hope to the, to the hope that you folk have. That's what it is. Just start it out. And when we have the Father's thoughts and the, the fact that it's a, this wonderful aroma in our thinking, it'll really help us to take the next step. And then, if that's all not enough, then what do we actually get to? We get to the point, Romans chapter 12, where it speaks about the fact that, well, just, bring your, just put your whole life on the altar. Hey? Let's just make it very simple. Let's make it easy. Uh, and so in, 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 and we read in Romans 12, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. So just bring your, bring your whole life and put it on the altar. And that would be, for me, a sweet-smelling aroma. And we should get the connection back into what Christ did. That's exactly what he did. And so all he's saying is, hey, just do what I did. Just do what I did. Just bring your whole life and put it on the altar. It'll be a sweet-smelling aroma, a sweet-smelling sacrifice to me. So I want to just make a couple of comments before we close off. Practically, remember there's no difference between what applies to leaders and what applies to you. Okay, I do really kick that old picture out of my head of what it was to be the priesthood and the laity. It doesn't exist. Okay, we are the priesthood, every single one of us. And it's not just for the leaders, it's actually for every one of you sitting here. Every single one of you is part of that priesthood. Important also, another comment is this, you don't need a special calling to bring the offerings of the priesthood. See, sometimes I've got, I mean, I'm, obviously I've got 90%, 95% Germans in my church, and some of them are very specific and very exact. Maybe you know some like that, okay? Because <laughs> I've got some students, and they come and say to me, you know, I don't think that I can, I don't think that I can really do anything in the church because I haven't found my calling yet. And I said to you, I said, I have to sit to them and say to you, let, let me open my Bible and let me explain to you what it means to be a priest. And when you've done everything that's on the list of priesting, then come back and talk to me. Tell me if you've got time to find your calling. Okay? <laughs> so we need to see that. We need to actually really see that it doesn't need a special calling. 1 Peter 4, 1 Peter 4 verse 10 says this. 1 Peter 4 verse 10, there we go. Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to serve others as faithful stewards of God's grace in its various various forms. Each of you, that means every single one of us. And we'd have to call it God alive if we said we didn't have gifts that he'd given to us. And the gifts are not there just that we can feel good about them, just that we can serve ourselves. It says the gifts are there that we serve others. So we step up to that, we say we serve others. And I just love the, uh, the, the quote from Martin Luther. Uh, you might have heard of him. Martin Luther, a famous German theologian. 
what he said is this. He said, there's, there's no special call because the call of God comes to everyone in the simple tasks. No special call. The call of God comes to everyone in the simple tasks. And sometimes we make it so complicated because we're trying to find what has God called me to do? And I'm saying, well, why do you start on getting going with all these things? And as, the, as you, you gain momentum, it'll be so easy just for the Holy Spirit just to come and say, okay, here a bit left, there a bit right. It's like a vehicle that gets momentum. You know how we, uh, when a car gets stuck in the mud, we all got to get out and we got to all push with all the strength that we have to get that car to start moving. But once it starts moving, then it's so easy just to tap the steering wheel left or right and get steered. And I believe that's the same with us. We want to see the special call of God. We say, hey, you know what? Just begin with the basics. Get all these things right, and then I will come, and it'll just be the touch of the Spirit, and He'll just guide us into those things which are the specific things that He wants us to do. Your ministry is also not only to your family. That is partially true. But it's not only to your family. And I find it really tragic that we've got a couple of families in our church. You know, it's like as the, as the first child or second child comes along, like they just disappear completely off the radar. They just are not there. The first six, seven, eight years until the little one gets, goes to school, they just disappear. And I've got to say to myself, well, hey, I don't really find that when it comes to, when it comes to this list of the sacrifices the priests bring, does it mean that, that God says, okay, well, right now, at this moment, this actually doesn't apply to you any longer. You've got a, you've got a season where it doesn't mean anything. I don't think so. And I, I'm being really, I want to be really gracious in that but I, because we've got, but I'm really wanting to coach the moms. We've been also, as a, as a family, we've been through that stage of Renee having lots of, having little, little ones. And we are restricted. But it doesn't mean we can take ourselves as a complete family, completely out of, out of re- being connected with the body. So I hope you can, you can receive that and say, hey, let's, uh, let's ask God with his wisdom to see what can we do. Because he still wants us to bring those s- uh, sacrifices as the priests. We play as a team, everyone in the kingdom of God on the field. And we can serve wherever it's needed. We can do good wherever it's needed. Do we actually know what we need to do? Let's bring it and ask, let's bring ourselves and ask the leadership, where do you need help? Doing good is doing good. Just do good wherever you can find a place to do good, and you'll be a blessing to the church wherever you are needed. I'd like to pray for us. Just ask the the Lord just to apply that into your heart. Would you like to stand together? Yeah. I'm so grateful for so many people in this church that are really making things happen here. It's a wonderful thing. Maybe there's an area in your life where God has just spoken to you. Maybe you're one of those that's given yourself a red card for whatever reason. And he's saying, hey, I'm going to give you the grace, the wisdom, the ability to come back onto the playing field. Maybe you've taken yourself out for some other reason, or maybe you're saying, I'm, I'm about to just take a step back. And he's saying, no, 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 come on. It's not about the church here. It's about what does he require of you? So I want to ask you the question right now. Just gently, what does he require of you?
It's about what does He require of you. Holy Spirit, won't you come and just, some of us here just rearrange our priorities, just lift up a few things in our hearts that we've forgotten about, help us to recommit to things that we're doing in a completely new way. And Lord, I pray for those that have maybe felt it's, sometimes it's a bit hard, the going's a bit hard. I pray, Lord God, that you'd help them to get their eyes off the, the task and get their eyes onto the one for whom we do this the one for whom we are a sweet-smelling aroma, a wonderful sacrifice. Thank you, Lord. Bless us, Lord. Strengthen us. Help us to do what you call us to do.